Welcome to the first episode of Define Normal. My name is Shelby Jones, and I'm so excited that you're listening. For this episode, I'm flying solo. I'm providing more insight on what to expect from the podcast, along with more about my background. The whole essence of the podcast is about experiences and identities that shape each individual's idea of normal. Every week, I will chat with guests about various topics and how their circumstances have shaped their definition of normal. If you listen to the trailer, you know that I grew up in suburban Dayton, Ohio. I moved to Dayton from Indianapolis in the third grade. One of my first observations was how few Black people lived in this town. Although over the years it's gotten better, Inglewood, Ohio isn't the most diverse place in America. My formative years were spent in majority white spaces. I'm sure a lot of Black people in America who grew up in the suburbs can relate to this as a norm. What I found difficult about growing up in Dayton is that it's a place you're from, not really a place you move, as my mom so famously says. Most of my friends had parents who grew up in the area. Some even attended the same high school as their children. My only connection is that my grandpa is originally from Dayton, so there are a few members of my extended family who still live here. My mom also spent a couple years of high school in Dayton. You would think that because I moved here in elementary school, I wouldn't have missed much. A lot of my classmates have known each other since pre-K or kindergarten. I met two of my oldest friends in the fourth grade. A girl in my class named Lisa befriended me and introduced me to her best friend and neighbor, Emily. The rest is history. They've been part of my core group ever since. Having friends didn't mean I wasn't constantly reminded that I wasn't the norm. It's interesting how kids pick out differences in each other. Things that were normal to me were often up for discussion. The first and obvious one was my hair. In elementary, it was usually parted down the middle with two braids and barrettes on each side. It was apparent that my hair texture was different. Classmates sometimes asked me if I could wear it in an afro. Another point of discussion was why I traveled so much. Kids really had me thinking I was fancy with my weekend trips to Chicago to visit my grandparents. The bulk of our family lives out of state, so if I was traveling, it was usually to visit someone. I also wasn't born and raised in Ohio, so small things like rooting for the Ohio State Buckeyes was not a thing in my house, which is basically the number one rule of living in Ohio. Literally, people will chant O-H-I-O randomly. What was tough to navigate is that most people did fit into the general definition of normal, so I assimilated in a lot of ways. Classic story of a black girl in a predominantly white space who straightens her hair, says the right things, and doesn't make too many waves. Even though I knew some of the things people were saying to me were crazy. The quotable moments weren't always directed to me, but they were offensive nonetheless. I remember in fourth grade, a boy saying, the only black woman I find attractive is Beyonce. There were also multiple times where classmates would comment about a neighboring predominantly black high school and say things like, yeah, we can't go there because we'll get shot. That high school is less than a 10 minute drive away from our high school. And trust me, no one is getting shot. It's just predominantly black. I also remember when a friend of mine wanted to go to school at Alabama and a classmate asked her if she would be afraid of the black people just to name a couple incidents off the top of my head. My high school also had a black hallway that students referred to as Africa. The 2020 version of me is confused about how I allowed things like this to be said in my presence, but that was really just the norm. I also wanted to fit in, so I let a lot of stuff go. I did what I could to survive my time in Dayton. I was outgoing, involved, and palatable, but everyone who knows me knew I was not staying here after graduation. I was told that I thought I was better than this place, But realistically, I just never fit in. I went to Kent State for college. Kent is a predominantly white institution, so admittedly some of the patterns from my hometown repeated themselves, but at least there was more diversity. 
I observed that black people in predominantly white spaces usually have a norm. We hang within our own community or assimilate. During summer 2011, before I officially started school at Kent, I participated in a summer program for people of color where we took a couple of classes and hung out on campus. Outside of family, this was the most time I had spent with a group of black people in my young adult life. I didn't feel normal there either. There were a lot of conversations about being first-generation college students, holding each other accountable, and staying the course in order to survive our time at Kent. Both of my parents went to college and have master's degrees. I felt like I didn't need this speech. This isn't to say that I was better than anyone involved, it just wasn't my norm to discuss college in this way. I was excited for classes and the college experience. I felt uncomfortable pretty much the whole time I was there, which was ironic. Once school started, I was focused on getting to know the people on my floor. I opted for a random roommate and was paired with Michelle. Michelle is a biracial girl from a suburb of Columbus. I remember her admitting to me that when she looked me up on Facebook, she was nervous to have me as a roommate because I'm a black girl. Michelle and I are both black girls who are a product of white suburbs in Ohio. We got along well and did a lot of unlearning together. My sophomore year, I joined Chi Omega. I didn't tell a soul in my family that I was rushing because I knew that was very far out of the norm. Being one of the few black girls in my sorority felt normal to me. I was in a space that I knew how to navigate. Sophomore year was a good year. I had my core friend group. We lived in the newest off-campus apartments. I had new friends from my sorority. Junior year, I moved into my sorority house for a semester. This was a new experience. I was forced to be me all the time. People saw my hair wrapped, heard how I talked to my parents, the TV shows I watched, the music I listened to. This was an interesting experience. People who I didn't necessarily hand select were getting a front seat to my every move. It was powerful in a lot of ways. Second semester of junior year, I moved to New York City. There are so many cliche things I could say at this point, but I won't. I loved it so much. Although I moved as part of a school program with two of my best friends, Natalie and Amanda, we had the chance to explore, intern, and of course go clubbing with our fake IDs. New York was just cool because everyone had a story. To this day, I don't feel like there's a norm in New York. You can be whoever you want there. My first internship was with a woman from Wisconsin who started her own fashion PR agency. She's a maven and also fled her Midwest town just like I planned to. I was inspired. I decided to stay the summer when the semester ended. I entered at Complex in the events department and met so many people and learned a lot. When it was time to go back to Kent for senior year, admittedly, I wanted very little to do with it. Do I really have to go back to school with people from the Cleveland suburbs who think wearing vineyard vines is a personality trait? This is when the spell of normal broke for me. I was over it. I was over predominantly white spaces that lacked diverse thought. I was over frat parties, microaggressions, and trying to fit in. We had a good run. Senior year, I found my voice. I stopped letting people say whatever they want. I stopped pretending to be interested in things because they were cool and started focusing on things that would get me out of Ohio for good. AKA, I had three jobs. I worked for the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland Browns, and I had an internship at GE Lighting in the communications department. I was getting a job offer after school. My internship at Complex paid off. During my senior year spring break in Miami, I had a video interview for a sales assistant role in the Chicago office. New York was really the goal after school, but as a Midwest kid, I've always loved Chicago. So I took the job. My college roommate Amanda got a job at Yelp shortly after, so we moved to Chicago together. In a lot of ways, Chicago was more of what I was trying to get away from. There was a ton of Big Ten fratty culture. After years of experience, I can drink a beer and sing Wagon Wheel with the best of them, but I was internally screaming. 
I frequented Chicago all of my life to visit my grandparents, but they lived in the burbs, so I never realized how segregated the city actually is. I lived in Lakeview, just north of Lincoln Park. I didn't see a lot of black people in my neighborhood. I should have known when my only black neighbor, Justin, made such a conscious effort to befriend me. I only worked with five other people in a small sales office, so I wasn't meeting a ton of people my age. Most of my social interactions came from Amanda's Yelp sales class. There were kegs in the office, so you already know the vibes there. Again, I could hang, but it just didn't feel like the space I wanted to play in anymore. I wanted to hang with people who had shared interest, instead of my normal behavior of just assimilating to whatever surrounded me in order to find community. I drew the line at the Big Ten bar crawl. I kept thinking about New York. I tried my hand at landing a job in NYC, but it's so hard to get one when you're not actually there. Amanda ended up leaving Chicago for New York before me. Her exit forced me to stop falling into these communities that weren't a fit because of convenience, and I started branching out. I spent a lot of my time going to events, saying yes to hanging out with people who I barely knew, going to festivals, and spending money that I didn't have at the Soho House pool. At the end of the summer, my lease was ending, and I quit my job at Complex with no job in New York, only a possible lead on a freelance gig and a space in my friend Natalie's couch. None of this was normal for me, but I had given up on that. I realized that the normal I created wasn't even something I enjoyed, so I decided to rebuild. Rebuilding took longer than I thought. So many of my college friends live in NYC, it was really easy to fall into my old pattern. So essentially, I was at NYU bars playing beer pong and listening to early 2000s hip-hop with less than five black people in sight. I was working at an event for an experiential agency in the Hamptons when I got a call that I had landed a job at Condé Nast as an assistant manager of digital marketing. I was hype. Finally, things were starting to fall into place. I wasn't really ready for Condé Nast normal. It was definitely giving my parents float my lifestyle. How else do people who make 50k live in doorman buildings, wear Gucci loafers, and go to Equinox daily? This was a new world for me. I grew up in a very middle class town, maybe upper middle class at best. My vibe is very fake it till you make it, but internally I was like, wait, what? I live in Bed-Stuy with two other people and buy clothes from The Gap. Shout out to my parents for making me confident because I didn't feel inferior. I was just confused about this world and how it was seen as a norm. I didn't have a doorman in my lovely Bed-Stuy apartment across from the projects, so I would send some of my packages to work. I remember someone on my team expressing shock that I didn't have a doorman, as if it was unheard of to exist without one. Imagine her face if I told her that I also lived in Bed-Stuy. I lasted nine months but learned a lot and met some really awesome people. Conda gave me insight into a world I've only seen on movies. Really, my favorite movie is The Devil Wears Prada, and that cafeteria scene is so real. After Conde, I went back to freelancing. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to try my hand at experiential marketing again. I landed at Refinery29 for a few months. I was still finding my space in New York. I moved out of my bed apartment and moved near Prospect Park with my friend Daniel, who's also from Dayton. I needed that. I didn't really have the same idea of fun as the majority of my friend group, and living with a black gay man from my hometown was the best of both worlds. Someone who understood where I was coming from, but had a whole new world to introduce me to. Daniel is my New York fairy godmother in a lot of ways. He took me to my first pride parade, invited me to all of his house parties, and brought me into his circle. We eventually started working together and found even more like-minded people to join our circle. We all came from such different backgrounds, but found commonality in each other. We can all relate to growing up in a space where we didn't feel like we fit the norm. After almost five years in New York, I finally found my place. 
I live alone. I've curated my own little chosen family between my college friends and people I've picked up along the way. I've learned the balance of appreciating the normal I came from while building my own. I'm excited for this podcast because of my perspective. I've been exposed to a lot of different versions of normal. This idea was born out of conversations. I would say most people stay in their bubble of reality. There are times where I'm telling my New York friends about my friends in Ohio who were married and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe your friends are already married and buying houses, but it's normal where I grew up. And sometimes I feel myself getting defensive about it. My friends in Ohio can't believe I live in a major city and spend more than their mortgage payments on rent. It seems pretty nuts, but if you're a city person, it is very much your normal and you think houses elsewhere are on sale. Trust me, I check Zillow often. I want to remove some of the judgment around how people decide to live their lives. I know I'm not always going to relate or even agree with some of the stories that are shared, but this podcast is about understanding. I want you to step outside of your experience and listen to others to find normal.